0: Welcome to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you are listening in. The Neighborhood Church is all about helping people find and follow Jesus. We hope that through these podcasts you are encouraged, that you're inspired, and that you're provided with practical wisdom on how to find and follow Jesus. We hope that you enjoy today's podcast.
1: Twitter. And uh, as is given away by the slide tonight, we're going to be focusing on a new topic and the topic of anger. Ooh, exciting, huh? (laughs) Yeah, Michaela, excited. So in this series, we've basically just been talking uh, or sorry, taking various wisdom tweets from the book of Proverbs and we've been applying them to our lives. Uh, The premise for this is really basically that thousands of years ago, a king named Solomon uh, wrote about many more important topics than just memes and cat fails. Uh, And this king Solomon probably compiled or wrote most of the book of Proverbs and these amazing lines of wisdom uh, that are called the wisdom or part of the wisdom literature in our Bible. Um... And here's the thing is that he actually managed to say a lot more important things in much less than 140 characters or now 280 characters. It's 280, right? Somebody using Twitter? Yeah? Who said yep? Can you raise your hand? Thank you. Awesome. Can we give him a gift later? That was good. All right. Um, but I just want to, before we get into a bunch of serious stuff about the Proverbs, um, which is good, I want to just take a look at, like, what Twitter is, in case you've never seen it. Uh, Here's some prime examples of what people are tweeting about. This one says, no one talks about Jesus' miracle of having 12 close friends in his 30s. That one's pretty good. Uh, This one says, grocery produce aisle. Me, hi, are these these genetically modified carrots? Clerk, no, why do you ask? Carrot, yeah, why do you ask? (laughs) Because it's a carrot. (laughs) Why have abs when you can have kebabs? That one's my favorite. (laughs) Just want to let you guys know I haven't tried to get abs. That's why I don't have them. I have kebabs. Um, So this is what people are using Twitter for. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Um, That was fun. But now let's take a look at some of Solomon's tweets, as it were, some of his wisdom. And this week, as I said, we're talking on the subject of anger. And so... Here are his tweets on anger. In Proverbs 15.1, it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And then chap- chapter 15, verse 18, is sort of its twin when it says, A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. And in Proverbs 29.11, it says, Fools give full vent to their rage, But the wise bring calm in the end. And the last one that I'm going to focus on is Proverbs 14, 29. And it says, whoever is patient has great understanding. But one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Now, before we go any deeper, uh, let's just spend a minute discussing anger. And what is anger? Uh, There's a little clip that I want to show in just a minute. But the whole idea is that we're going to hear from this guy, Dr. Rabbi Abraham Torsky. Has anybody heard of Dr. Rabbi Abraham Torsky before? Yeah, neither had I until like this week. (laughs) So, but I found him and he said some cool stuff and he's got a beard so I'm more inclined to listen to him. So, let's listen to what he has to say about anger.
2: The concept of anger, I think we have to uh, think about the phases of anger there are three phases of anger one is somebody provokes me I feel angry okay I don't have any control over that right? then there's the phase of anger of how do I react to it right do I walk away do I respond do I punch the guy in the face do I call him with some nasty name that's my reaction to anger and then the other thing is okay I didn't have any choice to being feeling angry when I was provoked, how long am I going to hold on to that anger? An hour? A day? 22 years? So in order to keep things straight, I give these three phases, three different names. The feeling of anger, I call anger. The reaction to anger, I call rage. And the hanging on to the anger is called resentment. And then if you clarify it, I say, okay, I can do nothing about my feeling of anger, other than perhaps take some things in perspective. Right? One of my father's teachings that helped me a great deal was that when somebody did something to my father which should have uh, provoked anger, my father would say, you know, what he did was so foolish. If he only knew how foolish it was what he did, uh, he wouldn't have done it. So. You know, I feel sorry for that person for being such a fool. But if you feel sorry for a person, how can you be angry at him? You know, I feel pity for him. Pity and anger doesn't go together. Uh, but nevertheless, I can't control how I feel when provoked. But I certainly can. Control
1: So uh, the sad part for you all here is that that's as good as the teaching is going to get. He said more in two minutes than I'm going to say in 20 to 30. Uh, But uh, away we go. (laughs) So uh, all of us have felt anger at some point in our lives. And I think that uh, the way it was put here in the three stages by the doctor, Rabbi, was really interesting. Talking about anger, a component that we can't really control. It's just a matter of stimuli something that happens to us. We have no control over the things that happen to us in our lives. Uh, And then there's a stage of what we choose to do with it, which he says when you act on anger, it turns into rage. And then when there's something that festers in you and stays with you for longer, it actually ends up turning into resentment. And so as we talk about anger, I kind of want that to be our foundation moving forward. I'm not going to call back to it a whole bunch of times, but just keep that in your mind. That's sort of the foundation we want to work with. Uh, when we talk about anger, because I think that's good, and I think it's biblical. So each of us have felt anger at one point in our lives. Uh, Each of us has a different grasp on our emotions, a a different grasp on our reactions when it comes to anger, Uh, and maybe you're sitting here today and you are as emotionless as a monolith, or maybe you are as expressive as they come and emotionally charged and ready to fire, but I think it's safe to say that no matter where on the spectrum you land, we each have felt anger, we each have acted in anger, and we have each seen the results of anger around us. Now, understanding anger is half the battle of making sure that it doesn't become something that claims your time, your energy, your relationships, and your well-being. So to understand it, I just want to talk a little bit about the dangers of anger. And I didn't mean for it to rhyme, but now it does. So you just have to sit in it now. The inherent problem with anger might be obvious at its face value. It's bad. (laughs) But perhaps we can view anger a little bit deeper today. Can we go a little bit deeper then? That's bad? Yeah? Paul's ready. We're going for it, Paul. Who cares if anybody's with us, right? Yes, just kidding, I want all of you with us, please come. Uh, Perhaps we can view anger as a cancer. It's something that gets into you, and it destroys you from the inside out. But it's much more grave than just your destruction, it's actually a corruption. Anger has the ability to corrupt your heart and your mind and your spirit from within, with your permission. And it can wreak havoc on your relationships, your personal well-being, Anger is the disease that we welcome and gets worse as we hold on tighter to it. Or perhaps we could view anger as a fire. It's something that burns and its source of fuel is you and what it affects is the people around you. As it burns you, burns you up and consumes you, the tongues of fire lash out and hurt the people that are closest to you. Slowly, anger can eat away at you, consuming your heart and mind. And it consumes you more and more as it burns the people around you until eventually the people around you have to evacuate or else they get destroyed by your anger. And these metaphors and illustrations are very powerful. Uh, I think that they're, you know, we could get more into about how anger is like something. But here's the reality is that no matter how vivid of a picture we paint with a metaphor for anger, anger can be a lot trickier than just the surface business. Anger can actually be something that takes multiple forms, and it doesn't look the same from person to person. It doesn't look the same from situation to situation. And so, the dangers of anger can be a little bit sneaky. So, I want to talk about that for a second. As we consider habitual anger, especially as Dr. Abraham Tversky was saying, Uh, And the rage and the resentment, we need to be able to diagnose the problem of anger, even when it's not presenting itself in the most obvious way. Does that sound good so far? Yeah. Okay. So, some of the forms of anger uh, change, and, and from person to person, and situation to situation, as I was saying, it can change, and it can change how anger is treated. I think that we can treat anger sometimes as a lesser sin. Sometimes you'll hear somebody say something like, oh, I just have a short fuse. Or maybe, uh, you know, oh, he just gets angry sometimes. She, She's just, she's just easily upset. Don't worry, she'll calm down. Uh, but Jesus says in Matthew 5, 21 to 26, if you want to flip there, you can. It wouldn't be so wrong to read our Bibles in church, would it? The answer is no. You guys were awkwardly quiet on that one. We can read our Bibles in church this so You guys doing okay still? Good. All right. In Matthew chapter 5:21 to 26, it says this. Jesus is talking. He says, "You have heard it said to the people long ago, do not murder." Are we on board with that so far? Yep. No murder. Good, okay? Glad we're on board. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his his brother is subject to judgment. Jesus is comparing murder to anger. What he's actually doing is he's pulling out the root of murder, which is anger, and he continues to say that. Again, anyone who says to his brother, raka, which is just a cool word for saying something mean, is answerable to the Sanhedrin, which was like the Jewish lawkeepers. But anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. So Jesus takes this pretty seriously. Verse 23, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there's and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother and then come offer your gifts. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown in prison. I tell you the truth. You will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Basically, what Jesus is saying is that anger is the root of a lot of problems, and we need to take very seriously resolving it. If anger is the root of murder, and if we have anger in our hearts, we are subject to judgment. That's a, that's a very serious thing for Jesus to say. And so, to treating anger as a lesser sin, I say that Jesus said it was actually paramount to something much worse. Another thing that we can uh, be tricked by in a form of anger or something, a way that we treat angry, anger differently is the macho myth. You know, this person, it's okay because they're rough and tough. He or she is a tough cracker, cookie, banana bread, I don't know. They're a tough something or another. But this this myth of, of the macho, of the tough, is, is so, so a lie. Uh, we tell ourselves sometimes or we tell other people that, you know, it's okay because that's just sort of part of their personality. But all it is is we're taking... A personality, and we're stretching sort of the edges of the blanket to cover up something else, and we're covering up the sin. So there's a, there's a different treatment of sin there. Another way that we, we uh, treat uh, anger differently or a different form that anger can take is a hyper-aggressive or a passive-aggressive lifestyle, and Pastor John actually talked about this, uh, I think, a month ago or something. Either way is a sinful way to act in a relationship, Hyper aggressive being, you know, something happens and it sets you off and just, wow, well, wow, well, how dare you? It's throwing stuff or getting upset or, did I seem genuinely angry? I tried pretty hard. Was, okay, I'll try harder next time. But then the passive aggressive lifestyle would be more like someone uh, upsets you and you get angry and then you're like, I'm not going to do it now, but wait till later. And you walk away and you you make them pay in a different way. The passive aggressive and the hyper-aggressive are equally sinful, and so we can't be tricked by the form of anger that is taken in passive aggression, just like we can't tolerate hyper-aggression. Now, here's another one is the, oh, I have righteous anger. How many of you guys have heard the term righteous anger before? It's okay that I'm angry because it's for a good reason, and that's... What makes sins okay. But this is a lie. The righteous anger that we think we produce is not actually fruitful. If we go to James, you can flip to James chapter 1. How you find that is you just go to the book of the James and then go to the first chapter. That's where we're at right now. James chapter (coughs) 1. I think I wrote down the wrong verses here. One, oh no, I got it. Okay, 19 to 20. Here we go. It says, My dear brothers, take not of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. In other translations it says, Man's anger does not bring about righteousness. What that tells me is that we don't get to pull the righteous anger card and be like, oh, I'm angry, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to relish it and hold on to it because I have righteous reasons. It says right there that we don't produce righteousness out of our anger. We aren't God. We don't get to get so upset about something that all of a sudden, out of this upsetness, it's like, oh, something good came. It doesn't work like that. We're not clams. Um, thanks, Alyssa. She likes the clams reference. Write that down. Letting anger control you is also openly defiant against and against the fruit of the Spirit and in alignment with the works of the flesh. Ready for your Bible again? Because we're going back in. Take a deep breath. Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit. We're going to start off by reading the Acts of the Flesh, and then we're going to read the fruit of the Spirit. See which one anger is listed under. Spoiler, it's not the fruit of the Spirit. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, this is Paul writing to the Galatians, by the way, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit versus the works of the flesh. Now, the fruit of the Spirit, I was telling someone this weekend, is basically as close as we get as Christians to a roadmap for life. Have you ever wanted a roadmap? You're just like, I just wish I knew what to do. Anybody? Just me, hey? Okay. There we go. (laughs) All right. Sweet. I wasn't alone. If you ever wanted a road map, the fruit of the Spirit is really the closest thing you're going to get to basically just bullseyes where God's like, do that, do that, do that. And if you live your life out by the fruit of the Spirit, you'll be surprised how the Lord will direct you. But the problem is, is that anger is in open defiance of the fruit of the Spirit. It's in defiance of the way of God. There is no form, whether it be passive-aggressive or through a macho myth or treating it as a lesser sin or perhaps the righteous anger myth. There's no form that anger can take that makes it not against the work of the Spirit. And as Christians, we are supposed to be about the work of the Spirit. So, the dangers of anger, it takes different forms. It's sneaky. It finds different roots in our lives and it gets in there and it blossoms up in an ugly thistle bush in the ways we wouldn't expect it. Let's go back to the Proverbs. In these Proverbs, we've been given some explicit detail about anger and its consequences. And anger in the Proverbs is contrasted with three very important things. Gentleness, wisdom, and patience, which also happen to be fruit of the Spirit. And so I've I've highlighted and reddened different words here high-tech. You don't get a presentation like this just off the street, people. And I've outlined that we see the highlights are the positive things, and the red are the negative things, because red's an evil color, right? That's how we do things here. So, a gentle answer versus a harsh word and anger. Hot-tempered and conflict versus patient Fools should be read. I don't know. I messed up. Okay. Just forgive me for that. Fools and rage versus wisdom and calm. And then whoever is patient has great understanding, patience and wisdom going together versus quick tempered anger and folly, foolishness. We see a very clear contrast in all of these proverbs that's contrasting the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. And anger falls very clearly on one side of the fence. And we actually see the Proverbs giving specific contrast between foolishness and wisdom. So anger is foolishness and patience is wisdom. Are you guys still with me on that? My colors didn't blow you away. You're still checked in. I know it's a good graph. Not graph, text. I know. So what? So what's, what's the point of all this? We've talked about how anger is, how anger is, what anger does. We've talked about the fruits of the Spirit and the work of the flesh. We talked about anger front ways, back ways, and a little bit on the side. And now I want to talk about what it means to each of us. Now, I don't think that there's anybody sitting here today that's genuinely thinking to themselves, uh, you know what? kind of like anger in fact I love it give me some more anger I want anger in my life anger makes me feel good I'm not expecting to have to convince you out of that mindset but what I am expecting to do is to ask us to come along together and let's actually take a moment let's take the rest of this service it's going to be over in due time and we're going to take a little bit of a deeper dig We're going to take a look inside, some introspection time here, and we're going to look for roots of anger in our lives. Now, I invite you to come along and do this with me. I invite you to come along and search your hearts for those tricky little roots, those tricky little lies, those ways that you might be treating anger in your own mind to treat a sin like something that doesn't need to be dealt with. I challenge all of us here today, to really think about this. Spend some time. And as we go on with the night, we're going to have communion in a minute. Perfect time for a f- reflection And the worship band. will be back up. I want to take a minute and look for that root of anger in each of us. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about uh, the root of anger in my life and how it affected my life and how I've moved from it and where I'm at now and how I'm still combating it. When I was a teenager, I was a very short-fused person. Uh, I would be upset about any sort of ridiculous things and get set off by something. Um, I would scream at my siblings. I would just cry with rage, not like a sad cry, like rage cry, which is still an ugly cry face in case you're wondering. And I would just be so volatile. And it came one day that I was talking to my mother and my sister in our kitchen when I was in high school, and something had happened, some altercation, something so silly that I can't even remember what it was about now. And I got so mad that I picked up a kitchen chair and threw it down in the kitchen and stormed out of the house. And I was just miffed. Evidently, this thing was the end of my world, and I was storming out of there. But as I was walking away from the house I felt the Holy Spirit speaking in my heart and pulling at my mind and God was just saying to me what are you doing? What was that? You could have hurt somebody. My mom was actually using a knife to cut some stuff for supper that night and my sister was sitting in a chair right where I threw the other chair. I could have seriously hurt somebody and I I walked away thinking about that and I went for a A long walk and I was just praying and thinking and just really trying to process what was going on and through that walk and a long conversation I had with God on that walk I made a decision in my life to no longer let myself act out in rage and from that day forward I had to work on removing that root of anger in my heart figuring out what had put it there figuring out why I still wanted to act in anger But I can honestly tell you that now you will never see me burst out in anger like that again because of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And God is good. And maybe that's similar to a story for you today. Maybe there's something that you need to find and the Holy Spirit can help you pull that root out. Maybe you can walk away from such a volatile lifestyle. Now I just deal with a different kind of anger. Um, now what the Holy Spirit is working on me with these years later is he's helping me realize that while I don't burst out, I still deal with bitterness in my heart. And that's a fruit of resentment, which as we talked about the three stages of anger, I'm still dealing with anger just in a different way. So I might be composed on the outside, but I still have some hard stuff to do. But I'm telling you that because the Holy Spirit's doing a work. He's still working on me. And I just want to invite all of us Maybe you don't have to have a throwing the chair in the kitchen moment. Maybe tonight can be the time that you start to reconcile with them some things in your heart. Maybe you had a throwing a chair in the kitchen moment a long time ago and it wasn't a wake-up call for you. But I just want to, to look into this. So I'm closing now. Wipe the sweat from your brow. It wasn't as hard as you thought, was it? Yes, it was. Stop. Okay. I want to just run through a couple things um, and maybe this will help jog some of us into seeing if there's actually a root of anger in your life. Now here's, here's a, an upfront question that might affect more of us in this room than we're comfortable with. Does your blood ever just boil when someone does something stupid in traffic? Or maybe is there someone trusted in your life who's warned you about your temper? Or do you raise your voice and shout and scream to try and solve problems? Or to try and make yourself be heard? Or maybe do you passively make your spouse pay for the ways that they've hurt you? Or do you find yourself upset at things that other people don't seem to be as upset about? Are people afraid to be around you to be themselves or to open up or share an opinion? Or do you think. That uh, you're a natural born rough and tough and you're better off being stern and to the point. Do you ever just see red and fly into a rage? Have you ever solved your problems or do you regularly solve your problems with violence and harsh words? Or maybe do you ever hurt in your life that isn't quite fully healed and you need to take some time to get deliverance from that and move on? Do you find yourself saying a lot, well he did this or said this or she said this to me? to justify your actions. If any of these things are anywhere close to a reaction that you might have, maybe there's something here that we can dig into together. So how do we change? I'm going to have the worship end come up and if communion people can get ready, we're going to get into that right away as well. We want to stop anger in our lives. Anger is destructive. We've talked about that. Anger is corrupting. Anger destroys us. We want to stop anger, and we want to start emulating patience, wisdom, and gentleness. Because in patience and wisdom and gentleness, we find the antithesis of anger. And that takes work. And there's no other way around it when you're dealing with anger except to do the work. It's you work. It's on your shoulders to do this work. But I'm going to encourage you in two, just two, one, two, of many possible ways and steps that you can take today so that we can start to root out the anger in our lives. Does that sound good? Can we handle two? Nobody can. I'm going to do it anyway. So here we go. Two steps. In one, we ask and God gives. And in the second, we work and God helps. There's always two parts to the equation, us and God. But you notice the action is different. The first one is find some healing. I want to encourage everyone in this room who has something that's stuck in their life that they need to get some healing about. You need deliverance from that. I want to encourage each of us to just take a minute. Because when you come to Jesus and you ask for healing, we ask and he does. He gives we ask and he gives. And sometimes he gives to us in a way of providing us the therapy through another person that we need to have. If you're finding that there's a place that you need healing in your heart tonight and you need deliverance from that, you need healing from that, maybe it's here in prayer, maybe it's with a pastor, maybe it's with finding someone who can actually help you with an actual anger issue in your life. But you actually have to go and find the healing. The second one is very simple. Practicing self-control. Now we work in this one and God helps. So this one is on our shoulders and the spirit will empower us as we go. Practicing self-control means fighting against anger by seeking the opposite of anger, by looking for patience and wisdom and gentleness in our lives. And just as I was telling someone this weekend, if you want a road map for that, pop open your Bible to Galatians 5 and read the fruit of the Spirit. Now, as we move on and as we emulate that, we can actually start to see as we work towards adjustments in ourselves, we'll see the roots of anger start to come out of our hearts and out of our lives. So there's two steps. Seek healing. Ask and God will give. Find the people you need and then to just practice your self-control. Practice those fruit of the Spirit. There was a time in my life when I went to read through the fruit of the Spirit as a devotional thing, and I said, I'm going to read through the fruit of the Spirit every day this week so that I can just really get it in me. And every time that I knelt down to read my Bible and pray over it, I would say, love is patient. And that was as far as I could get for the whole week. Sometimes we just need to focus on it and just work on it and work on it and work on it and let the Holy Spirit help you with it.
0: We are so thankful that you've listened in to the Neighborhood Church podcast. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you. Go to the podcast description and follow the link to get in touch with us. Everything we do would not be possible without your generosity. If you would like to give, check out that same link in the podcast description. If you have enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.